Caller, I know how much we both have loved what Anchor has given us as a podcasting platform. Ladies and gents, if you haven't heard of Anchor yet, you're missing out. Most importantly, it's free. Anchor gives you the ability to edit and upload your podcast directly from your phone to get anywhere you can get your podcast. Apple Music, Spotify, it'll be there. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listeners. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hey, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh, and I've got Kyler here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. Today, we break down the match to Tiger Payton, Brady Phil, Lance Armstrong and his doping comes out in the new 30 for 30, plenty more headlines, and a totem pole of the ages in Will Ferrell movies. The website's coming soon with full access to our blogs, full shows on YouTube, full clips of totem poles, and much more. So stay tuned into our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Burst Your Bubble. We're available everywhere you get your podcast. You can get us even on your Alexa devices. If you're bored at home, just tell Alexa to play Burst Your Bubble Podcast. Then remember to rate, review, and share us with your friends or literally anyone you know. Thanks for listening, and remember, no hard feelings because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. Caller, it is Monday. It is Memorial Day. Had Memorial Day weekend going strong. We had everything sports, water, boats. What more could you ask for? How was your boat adventure, Josh? Did you get nice and adult beverage beveraged? Uh, the first night I kind of did. You know, uh, we took it out and we kind of hung out on the barge for a little while, and I had some adult beverages. Um, but the second night I was I was responsible. We stayed the night on the boat. Uh, my buddy has a houseboat that he just bought, so we stayed the night out on the boat uh, Friday night, and then Saturday. Um, I, I was a responsible one. I was a designated driver for my wife and I. I let her uh, have a great time, and that she did. Uh, but, you know, we took the boat out. We docked up. And we played cards for a while, jumped off the boat into the water. So it was it was a lot of fun. Great, great time on the boat. I don't want to dive into your friend's financials, but who's your buddy buying a houseboat? Well, you know, it's just a little venture that, uh, that we're taking. Oh, yeah, okay. I got you. Yeah, you yeah, know, my weekend – was full of, uh, you know what I did, Josh? I didn't do much. I stayed home. I socially distanced, did my part, you know. But I uh, found something new for you to get into. Probably out of my fan, probably a lot of the uh, listeners out there. The WWE Network. Uh, are you have you subscribed to that, any Josh? Uh, no, I haven't. Is it an app or is it just a uh, website? So it's an app. Um, and it's pretty much what WWE is used to uh, go away from their pay per view. So they have pay per view so often, you know a $30 a week pay-per-view every two or three weeks. That's just not feasible. So what they do now is you know, they put it on their paper or their WW network, subscribe nine ninety nine a month. Um, and you get all their pay-per-views and you also get every pay-per-view ever. You can go back all the way to like, I think it's 1980 and watch every pay-per-view up until now. Um, and a great docu-series on there about the ruthless aggression era that started right around when um, the rock and stone cold got out of wrestling and, the new stars emerged. I'm about two, three episodes into that. I definitely recommend it. Uh, you get a 30-day free trial if, when you first sign up, so for sure sign up for that. I'm definitely going to do that. I've got a couple of matches that I already thought of, uh, you know, that are my all-time favorites. I'm going to go back and, and get the chance to rewatch those, so that is uh, super exciting. Yeah, well, that, 
definitely what I've been doing. I've been uh, watching that docuseries, like I said, and then going back and watching, you know, the matches that kind of correlate to what they're talking about to really re- relive that sequence. Cause that's when I was a really big fan, man, like Oh five to like Oh nine. I couldn't get enough of uh, John Cena, but wrestling in general. Yeah. For me, it was like that uh, probably, probably 2000 to 2008, 2000, yeah. 2009 uh, in between wow. that era. You, you were there for a long time, huh? I was my, my gosh. You would love this series. Then my dad was a huge uh, fan of the WWE around that time, and we went to matches anytime we could. Uh, we went to. We lived in a little small town, so the closest place to us was like an hour away, and we'd go every now and then to Texarkana to get to go to one of those WWE matches. So, yeah, definitely huge fans growing up. And uh, you know, I've, I'm gonna go ahead and say it on here. We might uh, do something on later with it um, in a future episode. But my all-time yeah, favorite. You'll have to tell your dad about that too. I mean, he's probably listening, but you'll have to tell uh, tell Virgil check out that series too. He'll he'd love it. Yeah, I'll def- uh, yeah, he he would love it, and he would love anything with a thirty day free trial. So, um, but my all time favorite match from the WWE, if you're listening, is the 2003 Survivor Series Team Austin versus Team Bischoff. It is a it is an instant classic match. Uh, Shawn Michaels plays plays a great role. I'm not going to spoil anything if you haven't seen it. Uh, definitely go check out that 2003 Survivor Series team, Austin versus Team Bischoff. Yeah, so go download that uh, WWE Network anywhere. No free ads, but, uh, you know, we're going to – when I find something I enjoy, I know you guys would enjoy it too, so I like to give it out there to you guys. Uh, I'm going I'm to save my favorite match, though, for that, for the Totem Bowl, whenever, whenever that comes. Sounds good. All right, well, uh, you know, we're kind of downloading things, getting things ready. I actually downloaded and took a free trial of – uh, YouTube TV today, and I was able to use that to watch the match two. The match two uh, was everything that we could have hoped for. It lived up to every expectation I had of it. Um, it it was exciting. It had the the highs and the lows of the day. Almost or a rain delay. The scary part that we thought it wasn't going to happen, um, but it delivered. I absolutely loved it, Josh. Uh, it felt like. It was Sunday. It was a Sunday in sports. We had something live on TV, and then we had a 30 for 30 to follow. Um, It felt like, you know, just an ordinary Sunday. I actually even took a nap around the 8th hole, woke up around the 11th hole. Josh, nothing more glorious than taking an afternoon nap during a golf tournament. That's the only way to watch golf, especially when it was raining like it was today. Man, it was a perfect, perfect scenario for an afternoon nap. Dude, it was a full-on storm. Yeah, dude, and that was the scary part. You know, everyone thought that it was going to get del- – or everyone thought that it was going to get canceled early this morning. We didn't think we were going to even have the match, which, you know, was kind of sad there for a little bit, but it just got delayed, and, uh, and they played through the rain. So uh, how did you feel about that heavy rain during the whole – during pretty much the whole match? I mean, it was it was a torrential downpour today. Uh, I think it showed some flaws and showed some strength. Some players were able to, uh, to, to push through and – uh, you know, I, we saw some rust right out of the gate, uh, and, you know, that was to be expected. But the, the rain, I think, uh, it, it played a really good part in showing who was ready for that kind of thing, and you can definitely tell who, who gets paid to play golf and who doesn't. Man, Tiger had it on a string today, didn't he? he that man is looking tour ready. He looks like he could go out and win a championship right now. That's what I'm saying, man. He gears up for the Masters, and what time is it, Josh? I mean – it was just, just getting time for around the PGA championship, huh? Yeah, it definitely would have been. And he, I mean, he was, uh, how many fairways did he end up in today? 17? 
I don't. I didn't see him miss a fairway today. I mean, so it probably was around. I mean, there's some part three, so it was probably. I mean, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, he didn't miss many fairways today. Uh, and what I what, my, what was my favorite part of the entire the entire broadcast? Uh, but apart from JT, Justin Thomas was fantastic in this. I'll get to that here in a second. But the cart cameras, those uh, those got the po- the possibility of those getting toxic was very high. Um, it didn't get too toxic. I think part of that was because of the rain. I was so hoping for a beautiful day. Um, but I love the cart cameras. That was such a good idea. That was a good idea. And, it, you know, it's just good to – I had the idea of, you know, getting inside the huddle with the, the caddy and players, which Phil did enough of that, uh, you know, on every hole for, for, uh, for Tom. So that was definitely there. But it was good to see the aspect of them driving back, some of the defeated look, some of the – the big smiles that were going on uh, and a little bit of the shit talking was always nice too. I couldn't get enough of uh, Phil when he was explaining the green on uh, for probably what, 45, 85 seconds, just explaining the different color patches of the green and why this is going to break this way. And when it reaches this color of the green, it's going to break the other way. Inject that shit straight into my veins. Bro. Whenever we, uh, whenever we were talking about this last episode, I asked, who would talk to their teammate more? Would it be, uh, would it be Tom asking Phil or Peyton asking Tiger? And I knew it was going to be Tom asking Tom talking to Phil about what club should I use? What do you think about this? And Phil was a great coach today. He was he coached him the whole yeah. way through. Which I don't think I don't think anybody have heard, has heard from Tiger since about two thirty today. So Phil made really good television today. Tiger Woods was lasered in and focused on the game at hand. He was not there to make TV content except with his golf game. Phil was there to have a good time and uh, get some ratings out of it. I mean, from the jump when I saw Tiger take out the pin, when the entire world has agreed, hey, guys, we're not going to pick out – we're not going to take the pins out. You know, we're not – that's a touch point. You know, it's, a, it's how we spread this thing. You know, let's sacrifice for a couple of months. As soon as I saw Tiger, hey, can we pull that? That's when I knew he was more there. He was there for the win. He did, yeah. He didn't give a damn about anything else. That man was trying to win a golf game. Yeah, it, it was obvious who cared about Corona and who cared about winning. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, and another huge shit talking aspect that I love was Tom Brady and Chuck. Oh, that man! Was, that it. There was no that. Some of those exchanges were my favorites of the day. When Tom Brady hit that shot in on the seventh hole. He said, how about that, Chuck? you like, go take some of that medicine. And then on Twitter, after the match on Twitter, uh, they post a clip of that, you know, with him talking crap. And uh, he retweets it with a comment that says, uh, I thought this was championship or the championship for charity. And uh, so just roasting Chuck even after the match is over. I love it. Yeah, yeah. up until that shot, he hadn't hit. He couldn't find it, Josh. He was missing putts by six eight inches he was missing fairways he was duffing the approach shots and then just out of nowhere he hits a 110 yard shot bounces once checks back six feet straight into the hole that was some space jam bullshit is what that was phil would have been better the through the first six holes if he had giselle on his team honestly yeah he would have been yeah when uh I enjoyed russell wilson on there at the end when he was talking about that I, we definitely didn't that would that would be definitely a fun Something fun to watch with the wife on a Sunday afternoon. Absolutely. But, you know, and that just shows if he could have won it with Giselle, man, Tom just struggled 
a little too much out the start, gave up that, that three point or that three stroke lead and they just never could come back from it. But they, the, the match did go all the way through. It wasn't over until the 18th pole, just like we predicted. So it, it, the drama was there. Entertainment was there to the very end of the match. Well, I mean, yeah, we, we say that, you, I mean, you say that uh, he was up, he let up a three, three point lead too early, you know, but they had chances on the 17th hole, 16th and 17th hole to, to tie the match, to bring it to the 18th hole tied up. And you know, I think it, if they could have got it there, it would have went to the extra. But I think if, it, if they could have got to the extra, man, Phil would have won that close Phil to the hole. Phil was excited. Phil kept saying, that's what he was just kept, he kept repeating all over needed. and over. Let's just get to the shootout. Let's get to the shootout. Man, he is, he's wicked with his wedge, man. He just controls it so well. It is absolutely crazy. On that, I think it was the 17th hole. It could have been the 16th. Uh, Tom had a, a decently long putt, and Phil sat there for 35 seconds, 40 seconds, explaining to him, you know, it was going to break this way to do this. It was going to, you know, and so Tom goes to putt, and it, instead of breaking left, like Phil said, it broke right, and Tom's like, ah, I pushed it. And then the my this is my favorite thing, because this is me on the golf course. He goes, hey, can I just try that one more time? <laughs> He'll just toss him the ball back. He lets him re-putt it. He's throw it back, man. I know what I did wrong. I, God dang it, I pushed it. Let me let me try that same line again. That's exactly what he did. It went the same exact spot. Phil was like, oh, hell, it didn't go I, left at all. That's a bad read by me. Sorry about I that. Gave I gave you bad, bad advice. Funny. Gave you a bad read. I was like, come it on, was coach. So genuine. I loved it. So uh, what didn't you like about it? Let's, let's, not, let's not just be positive, Paulus. You know, I mean, it's it's hard to to totally pick it apart. Obviously, I wish um, we could have been able to hear the the golfers a little bit better. I wish that. Man, I, that's really my biggest complaint. Yeah, I think the rain played a big part of that. You know, just uh, at some point it was just pouring so bad that you know it was literally knocking the earpieces out of their out of their ears when they were trying to reach around through the you know through the cart and grab a club, then cover their clubs back up. And, you know, that was such a big ordeal. The rain probably played a big part in the reason we couldn't hear them a lot of the time and probably played a lot of the reason why the announcers were probably talking a lot more than they planned on because um, yeah. they weren't really sure, especially during the back nine, uh, they weren't really sure when the players could be heard or not. He wasn't really sure, you know, well, I can hear him in my ear, but maybe the people at home can't hear him. So I, I think that was definitely something that during the back nine that, that suffered. Yeah, and they had that little delay in the back nine uh, like they did at the start. Um, you know, and it's, it just goes to show, like, how bad it was raining. And I, and I get that. It's just one of those things that, you know, makes it difficult when you're watching it. You really want to hear what's going on. But that was probably my biggest complaint. What about you? Uh, I would probably say if we're going to do this, then uh, a guy like Trevor Immelman, he was fantastic. How did you like him? He was really good. So he was really good, and he's going to be really good for profesh- for PGA Tour events. But an event like this, uh, I don't really see him necessary. And the same thing with the play-by-play guy. Um, he's great. He was funny. He talked a little much for my liking, but he was still good. Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, Chuck, he was good. But I would replace the play-by-play guy with someone like Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, and kind of teach them, hey, you know, when Tiger's about to go up to his putt, you know, say, you know, Tiger about to hit his third. You know, just kind of play, play as the play-by-play guy. Throw, learn to play, throw to the sponsors, do that role. Uh, and just because we saw how well JT was out there. Uh, and that kind of speaks to uh, that generation. You know, he just, he's from this generation. He knows how to be media savvy. And, I mean, that really plays into it. 
Yeah, and that's a huge part of bringing new people in is that's going to be what we see is people who are technological savvy, social media savvy, uh, that can really get people engaged, get people fired up in, in different ways than what has been there beforehand. So it's going to be a, a huge learning thing, a huge uh, advertising boost that you see in, in this next generation of, of announcers and broadcasters. Oh, it's going, to, it's going to be an arms race when Phil retires. People are going to be uh, ESPN, and I would probably say uh, TNT. They're going to throw the bag at Phil Mickelson because CBS has uh, Nick Faldo. I would be throwing the bag at Peyton Manning right now to get him on play-by-play somewhere. Don't. No, no, no. Well, no, for, for oh, NFL, NFL, but yeah. he was in the match. Oh, I was saying, I was saying, I was saying uh, Phil Mickelson. Oh, yeah, for, the, for golf matches. Yeah, totally. He's definitely one of those guys, like, huge personality. Like I said earlier, he can make, he can make good TV. Oh, he was, he was really good today. I, I liked him a lot. And, uh, but like I said, uh, if you would have just put Ricky and uh, Charles in the booth, so anytime anybody besides the players were talking, it's potentially something really funny or someone taking a shot at one of the players, and then JT talking a lot more. That, I think that would have been the perfect broadcast. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. And so another part of this that I – so this is just something that happened in it. Um, whenever they're in warm-ups, this, this video is all over Twitter, when uh, Peyton is talking about who he wanted to choose for his caddy, you know, he said, well, my three choices was Bill Belichick, Eli Manning, and Nick Foles. And as soon as, as, soon as Tom heard those names, he just kind of turns and just gives that shitty grin to Peyton, like, come on, you mother. So yeah, it was uh, it was pretty funny. Then when they were on one of the holes, uh, Brady said something about he's like he's like, well, you know, Tiger, he's in uh, he's in the Falcons colors. I'm not too worried about about that. It's the Eagles colors that I cringe about. <laughs> and abs- he should, he absolutely should. He should, yeah. Well, this was I mean, like I said, it delivered everything that that I could have wanted for a Sunday golf game, uh, Sunday sports. This this was perfect. I loved it, Josh, and it led right into. Uh, Oh well, you watched the you watched the uh, Lance Lance thirty for thirty. Uh, I ended up watching the Tiger Slam on the Golf Channel. I'm gonna look at a look at Tiger's, uh, you know, historic run at securing all four of the majors um, at the same time. Uh, how was the Lance doc? Let's get into that. Uh, it was it was pretty good. You know, I didn't get to watch all of it. I had some uh, some stuff I do here, but I, I got to watch most of it before we recorded tonight and last night, and it was. Honestly, it was good. Um, there were a lot, the biggest thing for me was I didn't know a lot about the story. I knew the overview and I knew what happened, but there were a lot of details into this that I didn't really know. So, like, um, whenever he first started winning the uh, – I don't remember what country it was. No, it was France. They started putting – Tour de France. Uh, yeah, well, they started putting out uh, hit pieces on him saying that he was taking steroids after his first win, like taking PEDs. And obviously, he was denying. He denied it. Denied it over ten thousand times uh, in his career. So, I didn't know that people were going after him so early for that for those accusations. One of the, so kind of when I was, um, I kind of talked about the, you know the, how the younger this generation is so media savvy, and I think part of it, most of it, is because um, from the time I can remember. ESPN. I've been watching people very crisply deliver news, deliver play-by-play, and I I think that's just kind of ingrained with me. I mean, along with social media. And uh, since I've and like 
since I've been three years old, I mean, I've just heard that Lance Armstrong is, is a cheater, right? I mean, or since I could really remember three, five, however, how, so what year did it come out in his, um, his scandal? Uh, 13. It was all the way in 13 before. I mean, that was, that was when it was like official though, huh? Yeah. Well, that's when he, that's when he, uh, took responsibility or like, Oh, right. So yeah, this was, I mean, so, I mean, as literally as long as I can remember, all I can remember is that he was a cheater and that, but people would justify it as though the entire sport does it. So I was like, well, fuck that sport. I don't want to watch them. And then I realized, well, Oh, it's all the sports. Yeah. It happens everywhere. And it's, you know, it's just one of those things where, man, it's hard. It's hard in this situation because of obviously what Lance went through um, and, you know, and one of the, one of the interviews he was asked, you know, do you think that you doping attributed to getting cancer? And he said, well, I, d I don't know the answer to that. I can't say no because no, I don't know. It's so funny when he gets, I mean, not, obviously not questions like that, but quite when he dances around answers that he really wants to say. And what I really wanted to play a clip. We didn't really know the, the, uh, the legal, uh, man, you thing behind that. But, uh, one answer he gave to a question, it was, I believe it was something like, um, would you tell young kids not to uh, basically take steroids, not to cheat? And he, you know, he didn't really say no, but he, he danced around saying yes. So he told them, you know, if, you know, if that's something you wanted to do. It's something that could help you in your career and something that, you know, people might not find out about. I would never say to anyone to do it, though. Obviously, I would never tell a kid to take steroids, is what he said. But then he, you know, he went back to just saying that. Uh, so it was, it, it's hilarious to see him dance around questions like that, but it's really crazy to know. I mean, think that he was a cultural phenomenon. I mean, he was the biggest star in the world as a cyclist and he says he didn't even know about it. Oh phenomenon. yeah. He didn't know he was that big. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the French didn't like him, you know, the, an American going over there, kicking everybody's ass, winning, winning their sport. Uh, they did not like it. And you know, most people have not watched a tour de France since Lance Armstrong. I've never watched a Tour de France. Yeah, the, you know, that's what I'm saying. It just wasn't the same. But go back to that question he answered. He says, uh, you know, I, I don't know for sure if it attributed to it, but I can't say no because it's growth, you know, growth hormone. So it would obviously make the good things grow, but wouldn't it also make the bad things grow? And I was like, oh, man, this, this is getting, you know, this is getting deep. I felt like uh, Zach Galifianakis from The Hangover with all the formulas flying past your face trying to figure out exactly what the hell he just said. So he said he only used for one season, right? Uh, I thought he said he did it the entire time. Oh, he did. Yeah, that's what that's what I was pretty sure I heard. Oh, I thought I thought I saw somewhere in the doc tonight. He said uh, he only did it in the '96 season. He only took human human growth hormone in the '96. Oh, the HGHs, yeah, 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 probably. So, uh, I, thought, I thought you meant the PEDs as a whole. Okay. Well, those are different, though. He did something different. That's crazy. Uh, but he won six straight, seven straight Tour de France from 99 to 2005. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I mean, like I, like I said earlier, though, like I, when, I, when I was first introduced to sports, like, I mean, he was introduced to me as a cheater. So I never even bothered to look up his career statistics. So when I do watch this tonight, I think it's already on the ESPN app. Um, it's definitely going to be a history lesson to me. Yeah, so for, for Lance Stevenson, or Lance Stevenson, Lance Armstrong, he admitted to using um, 
EPO, testosterone, cortisone, HGH, illegal blood transfusions, and other blood doping. That was on an interview with with Oprah back in the day. So yeah, all this has definitely come out now. Um, yeah, he he was so he was hardcore doping on this stuff. Do you think? Do you think? Uh, like the president of the commission, I know he had a crazy statement there tonight. You know, he was uh, kind of being accused now of on Twitter at least of covering up. You know, Lance's. Uh, all of his cheating by that quarter zone, uh, you know, he was talking about the quarter zone was on his seat or something like that. Um, do you think, do you think they were, they were in on it? They were covering it up from the beginning. You know, um, this is one of those where I, I would hate to speculate that someone was involved in something like that, but if they did know and you have a cultural, cultural phenomenon winning all these Tour de France is all these events. I mean, it's hard to say that you don't step in and stop it. So I don't really know. It's kind of like the, uh, the the Michael Jordan thing, you know. Could they have just told him, hey, man, you need to take a year off and get your shit together if that's what happened or, uh, you know, whatever other speculations out there. It's, it's I can't say for sure. I mean, yeah, like I said, everyone, I mean, when you're when people talk about it, it's kind of the same thing with baseball. Um, they say they, they justify it with everyone was using it at that time. Everyone was doing it. So if you weren't, then you were at a disadvantage. Um, so, you know, he was just the best of the cheaters. And, I, you know, that does put other people that aren't at a disadvantage. But, uh, I mean, I mean to, put, to race, how, what, 2,300 miles? That's, ri- that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's nothing I ever want to be a part of. Uh, I don't want to do anything for 2,300 miles. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I couldn't even drive that far. I, no, if, it, if, it, if I'm not flying, I'm not going that far. Absolutely. Well, so I watched, I got into the, to the Lance 30 for 30. I'm excited for, for the part two coming out May 31st next week. Um, you got into the Tiger Slam. How was that? Man, it was fantastic. Uh, so how familiar are you with the story? I mean, I know he won it, but I don't know what all he went into. I absolutely love the Tiger Slam. Um, actually, a couple weeks ago, I think it might have been you I was talking with. Was you, you, you were uh, my friend Vishal. I, I was asking him if he knew about a, a, a documentary like this. And I was even thinking about writing an illustrated essay to put on the website about this. I'm still thinking about doing it. I'm such a historic run. I'm of course, starting at the 2000 U S open at Pebble beach where, I mean, it's, it's gone down as one of the greatest sporting events, sporting performances in the history of sports. I mean, he's, he was, it's um, namely called perfection at Pebble. Uh, he was absolutely perfect perfect at that in the four rounds i think he ended up um 12 shot winning by 12 shots maybe uh oh 10 10 shot lead so absolutely fantastic there uh and he went on to win of course the next three majors uh just a historic round i've got some cool stats if you're ready for him absolutely i love stats so he won the four straight majors the u.s open the open championship the pga and then the masters in 01 he was 65 under par in those four straight majors. Wow. Uh, in the same perspective, Phil Mickelson and Ernie Els were uh, second and third. They were uh, 20 under par, respectively. That is That just goes to the testament of Tiger Woods. That man was incredible in his prime. So, uh, like I said, obviously 65 under par, obviously making a lot of birdies, obviously lap of the field in that. In that uh, margin, 91 birdies across the four events. But what's even more amazing than that, uh, in the 16 rounds in the four majors, 
23 bogeys. Man, so that what's, is... what, what's uh 16 times 18, Josh? Well, I'm not a I'm not a math magician, uh, so I'm gonna say uh, 288. 288 holes of golf. He made 23 bogeys. Wow. So, uh, it, like I said, I've got a few more, but I'll save them. Uh, definitely check out this documentary. He dominated these four majors. This is right in the smack of his prime. Obviously, we had Armin on on, uh, on Friday. If you haven't listened to the episode, go check it out. Um, if that's why you're here, thank you for listening. Uh, we're going to get into a totem pole here in a minute. Uh, how many more headlines you got, Josh? What else you got? Well, there's some big news coming out of Michigan uh, today, college football. Um, did you see the announcement he made? Uh, I saw something about it. Tell me about it. So president comes out and says if there are no uh, academics happening, if there's no institutional learning happening uh, on campus, then there will be no college athletics either, collegiate athletics being played at the University of Michigan. And he says that he doubts college football or college athletics will be played at all starting in the fall. So uh, coming out, coming out strong. Uh, Josh, I feel like we've been probably one of the more optimistic podcasts out there. Um, on your end, at least, uh, you've been you've been carrying the optimism for this. Uh, but I'm I'm going to carry it for you on this one. I think that college football is going to be played in the fall. I think students are going to be in attendance. I think that, I mean, Josh, I don't know if I mean you've seen it. People are at, people are living their lives right now. Yeah. Well, and um, so th- I'll say this and I'll go back to the main point we're talking about. But did you see the video of? Uh, Lake to the Ozark. So, I mean, I, I saw, yeah, that video went stupid viral. And I, I think I have a picture that could have went just, vi- just as viral. I, I sent it to you of the Hochitown Saloon was completely filled up, Josh. I, a source told me 200 plus people were there. Just packed people. Uh, so for Lake to the Ozark, I heard that Marty Bird said, screw this. We've got money to launder. We're going to have people come through. Uh, but for Hochtown, that's just people living lives, not giving a damn. No, they're getting drunk. They're going to dance, Josh. They're going to, they're not going to wear a face mask. Get their boot scooting boogie on. I tell you. But so anyway, so uh, I'm actually, I'm actually with you. I think that college football will be played in the fall. Uh, Texas governor, Greg Abbott comes out and says that he thinks that uh, college football will be played and there will be fans in attendance. So he is, he is the optimist on the situation. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Michigan. Jim Harbaugh said if the choice were to play in front of no fans or not play, then I would choose to play in front of no fans. Uh, darn near every guy I've talked to on our team, that's the way they feel about it. That's what he said to ESPN on Friday. Um, their their workout or SEC workouts are started starting June 8th, Big 12 starting June 15th. Um, and I, a couple of Big 10 schools are actually reported um, to be started. Or they're going to decide on June 7th is what I'm reading here. And that, I mean, that makes sense. And like, like what was talked about, uh, they try to keep all these uh, opening dates similar to not give too much of an advantage to one program over the other. Uh, Yeah, the Big 12 president came out a couple, I think it was probably a week or two now. Uh, He said that they needed to start by June 1st or this wasn't going to work. So I think that was probably, uh, that was probably the beginning of May. So, I mean, they, so it seems like they're going to start on June 15th. So maybe, maybe they figured out a, a way to get this get this on off the ground. I really think so, though. I think I think they're really going to get this going. Yeah, I absolutely hope so because you know we we definitely need college football back in our lives to make everything seem a little bit uh, normal again. 
Uh, I, so I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind it in the spring. I mean, we, uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't like it at start right up the Super Bowl. I mean, it would be great too. But I mean, there's just nothing better than fall football, man. Like I, I, I mean, I get it. No necessary precautions if we have to do that. I would love spring football just as much. Go from the Super Bowl right into it. I get it. I would love it. But man, there is just a different feeling when it's college football, freezing and you know freezing cold weather. You're getting the cut it up in a blanket, sitting on a seat warmer uh, if you're in the stadium or just out tailgating, have a little bonfire going, watching football. There's just, ah, man, it's hard to beat. Yeah, because that means a national championship. That's going to be a hot national championship in Atlanta or wherever it is. Absolutely. So another headline I want to go into real quick. Uh, Man, one of the only – so there's only one starting – one quarterback who started last year that's still unsigned. And that mm. is Cam Newton. Yep. The you know the, the newest quarterback to get picked up was a uh, former Baltimore Baltimore Raven quarterback, former Denver Bronco quarterback Joe Flacco, future yep. Hall of Fame elite quarterback. Great pickup by the Jets, I think. I, I couldn't agree more. If Darnold does something stupid and gets mono again, Flacco's a guy that'll go in and win you some football games. Yeah, Flacco will teach him teach him how to stay away from those young girls. Somebody needs to. Somebody needs to. Uh, I think that that's pretty much all that I have uh, as far as headlines go. Just- uh, so, yeah, I just want to get a little bit more into the NBA. Uh, so, it seems like I'm going to go ahead and say that it's going to be this week they come out and say that um, they're going to announce it's at Disney. Uh, you know, it's been pretty much reported all this all last week. You know, they're inching closer and closer. Each story that came out seems like it's getting closer to our, our initial report, Josh, of at Disney World. Um, so, my my first question is, uh, tomorrow I saw that the Nets are reopening their, uh, their practice facilities. Uh, so what does that entail right now? Are they going to do, uh, obviously, you know, social distance, everything. Are, are they allowed to do like one-on-one workouts? Or are they with the trainer? What's going on? So before I get into that, I'll, I'm going to disagree with you real quick on the fact that I don't think any report's going to come out this week. Uh, I think that Adam Silver is going to hold strong in his June 1st announcement, which will be next Monday. Um, I, I think that he'll push that off as, as long as he can. And that's probably uh, – from from things I'm hearing, it's still the, – the plan is there, but it's still vague, and they're trying to hammer out some of those details before they push a, a big memo or a big uh, plan, return to play plan forward. So I think you'll see that June 1st uh, deadline stick. Um, I, but I then, disagree, but I think our answer will show why I disagree. Go ahead. Um, so – with the practice facilities, from my understanding, at least for the Thunder, it was you, they limited the number of people in the facility. Everyone had to be on different courts, social distancing with the coach you were practicing with. Um, you could be with a trainer, but um, only in certain situations. It was very limited, very uh, – I mean, it was very tough. So, so my understanding is that they're already starting one-on-one workouts, right? Uh, they might have started that towards the end of the week. I know that when the Thunder first opened yeah. the practice facilities, they were not allowed to. So, so the so the plan is right now that June first, uh, Adam Silver is going to announce that uh, all players can now start. The the teams are now going to start calling players to their cities from wherever they are. From Luka Doncic in, is in Europe. Trey Young is here in Edmond uh, or in Norman. I'm sorry, in Oklahoma. He has to go to Atlanta, of course. Um, so all of this has to be figured out, and that, that is, you know, talked to be on June 1st is when that announcement from the NBA is going to come out. Um, I, I just my, – my not understanding of it is 
if they're already starting these one-on-one workouts, then what are they going to start on June 7th or June 8th? That's when uh, they're supposed to start the one-on-one workouts. If they're already starting one-on-one workouts, which um, you said that you know that they are, since, those, since they're already starting those, then they'll probably get into more team drills. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of my point. Then they're, if, if they're already getting to more team drills, then that's pretty much training camp. And then we're starting the, starting the season, what, July 1st? Or are you going to have a month-long training camp? Well, I mean, you'll probably end up having uh, some kind of extended training camp because I, I think that you're going to – That's just why I think that Adam Silver is going to come out this week and announce um, a plan to get players back to arenas just so that uh, a plan for one-on-one workouts is pretty similar for each team. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I just – I don't see it happening. I, I think that the, the plan that they have to work through, the you might see like a rough outline of an idea. They might hammer down that it's going to be Disney, um, but there's not going to be a the return-to-play plan. That plan is, is going to at least, you know, wait until the first just because – there's yeah, so I th- many. I think that could hold off, but I, I think I think a plan to get the players back in the arenas safely and get them back in their own arenas instead of going to gyms that are just opening up randomly. I think that's key. Yeah, I mean the teams obviously want their players back in their their own practice facilities, and uh, I think the the NBA um, the associate the player association uh, MBPA has been uh, edging for that too. They've wanted you know access to their own facilities and. To get everybody back there but so the real question here uh, of course it's testing um you know with a minimum of approximately fifteen thousand tests is going to be needed that's from Woj. um testing every day is the gold standard i don't think that's going to be really necessary uh obviously i think it would be for um you know for the utmost concern utmost safety for all the people at risk like greg, greg popovich he's 71 uh mike d'antoni for the rockets he's 68 uh, and they're going to be there for up to three months. Uh, but the question becomes, Josh, would you be, would you be okay? Is Burster Bubble okay? Would they be down to stopping their lives for three months to go here, go to Orlando and cover the NBA playoffs? Wholeheartedly. Definitely. So just putting, putting, that, out there, putting that out there on the record now, Burster Bubble, um, putting their name in the hat, we would like to be – considered for this role absolutely 100 percent uh that would be uh, an incredible opportunity but you know and so going back to that the fifth or the testing daily is a gold standard uh dr fauci did come out and say that he thinks that uh weekly testing and daily uh symptom observations would be uh very sufficient he that's what he you know thought that would be fine dr bertram was one that came out and said uh, daily testing was the was the gold standard, and Fauci seems to be the the guy that everyone looks to for these kinds of questions. So, uh, you know, I yeah. think that it's safe to be able to take his advice on that once a week testing. But something yeah, yeah. that the NBA is trying to to avoid with this, um, I think it's per Woj again um, in that same article. Actually, I think it was Weindorst. Um, he said that they are trying to give as much uh, help with as much advancement in testing with uh, financials or anything they can mm-hmm. with some of the universities because they also have to deal with the blowback and the scrutiny of NBA players and coaches receiving uh, these COVID-19 tests when there's still people out there who, right. you know, need access to them. 
Right. And the, the NBA is also uh, tied in with the Mayo Clinic. And they're also doing fantastic things um, in research for uh, a cure, not only for um, rapid testing, f- finger prick testing, but also a cure. Um, so one thing that I saw was, and we kind of talked about it last week, was uh, the player's ability to leave the bubble. Um, and, you know, we kind of talked about how that's going to be kind of dangerous, you know, to kind of possibly introduce it, you know, in at any time, just if you're able to leave the bubble. And Amino Hassan brought up a great point on uh, the Levitard Local Hour last week. Uh, he said, you know, it's not, it, you know, it doesn't really come down to, you know, what if this one player gets it? It comes down to what if this one player gets it and gives it to his teammate and his teammate leaves the bubble to see his grandma uh, and his grandma gets sick and dies. Or then what if, uh, what if not only one player gets it, but what if we're in the second round and it's game two and LeBron James, Dwight Howard, and Frank Vogel get it, and they're all out for two or three games. What do you do then? And that's when it gets tough, you know. That's and that's what I'm. That's what I'm really hoping that the NBA has some of the shit figured out by the time that they. That's why I don't think you're going to see a full return to play plan until they get some of those questions answered. So I mean, it's good. That's why I just don't think leaving the bubble is an option. I don't think you. I don't, I don't see how it can be. Like we talked about, it's counterproductive. If you're going to be quarantined for three months and be able to have your family there, and then you're going to leave anyway, what's the point of even going to the bubble? What's the point? There is no point. Uh, that's pretty much all the headlines I had, Josh, beside uh, wanting to throw our name in that ring, uh, try to cover there. Because, I mean, that, um, honestly, how many reporters would actually sign up to just throw their lives away for three months and go do that? Well, I can tell you, if they don't want to, then they're uh, missing out. Sign me yeah. up. Yeah, burst your bubble. We're we're gonna try and be there. All right, so we're gonna go into a totem pole today. Today's totem pole is going to be Will Ferrell movies. So we've we've done Adam Sandler in the past. Today we're gonna get into some Will Ferrell uh, movies. Three top, two bottom, uh, our top three favorites, and bottom two worst movies he's put on. So Kyler, let's get started with the bottom. Do you want to go first or second this time? Uh, I'll. I'll go first. So for the bottom, uh, I'll go first, Josh. This one, uh, it's pretty easy for me on the bottom. Holmes and Watson. Uh, this, Josh, was atrocious. It was so bad. I, uh, it was, I'm actually, I watched it on a performance enhancer, and it was actually worse. I fell asleep during it at the movies. You fell asleep during the movie? At the movies. Oh, my gosh. I had a large popcorn. I spent probably $50 on that movie. Fell asleep. Wow, yeah, and it's, I mean, Adam, Will Ferrell usually does a pretty good job of keeping it. And it was, it was with the guy, uh, it was with um, John C. Riley. It, it, I, mean, I, I had such high hopes for it. Yeah, cast was really good, which takes me to my uh, bottom one, which also had a very talented task, uh, cast, was A Night at the Roxbury. Uh, oh, yeah. It just Man. it just didn't live up to expectations. You know, it, it the skit just didn't feel it. The whole plot of the movie just wasn't worth 90 minutes of investing my time into. Yeah, I don't know if I would have put that at the bottom of mine, but uh, definitely uh, it was not one of his best. So this might be uh, somewhat of a hot take. Zoolander 2. I uh, wasn't a huge fan of, of Zoolander 2. And, you know, this could be argued it was what was really his movie. I'm more of Ben Stiller. But uh, not just wasn't a huge fan of it, Josh. And it's so hard to pick. Will Ferrell movies that aren't good. Uh, and I, I could be, you know, a lot of people w- would disagree with that. But uh, Will Ferrell, I mean, he's just, he, he's 
he's an all-time goat to me. Will Ferrell is so good. And it, it, like you said, it is hard picking uh, movies he was bad in. Um, so this one, uh, it probably. Yeah, we could, like you said, I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's hard to pick movies that he, and the problem is he's not bad in any movies. The movies are just bad that he's in. Yeah, which, well, sometimes there's a few movies where I think that, you know, he didn't help. Definitely. Uh, so, I, for sure. So, my other bottom one is probably not very well known, but I, I'm kind of a movie junkie, especially with uh, guys like uh, Bradley Cooper, Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell, um, Mark Wahlberg, Leonardo DiCaprio. If they play in a movie, those five, I'm, I've probably watched it. Or I'm, if it's if I haven't seen it, it's on my list to watch. So I love those five guys uh, as actors, so I, I keep up. This one was The Suburbans. Um, it premiered in 1999. Um, it was a parody of the of the band that he played in. He was the he played the the bass player in the band. So obviously he wasn't the lead singer or the drummer or the guitarist. He played bass. So some can uh, some people don't cherish that position of band as much as others. And so it it I'll, I'll put it to you like this: It's one of the very few movies that have a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, I mean sometimes those are some of the best movies though. No, some of the best movies are like 10 to 15%. Yeah, that's true. Not 0%. All right, so we're going to the top. How are we doing this one today? Uh, I don't think it really matters, Josh. I mean, like I said, his uh, his top ones are pretty much interchangeable to me. Uh, go ahead. Okay, so uh, number one uh, for me, I'm, and there's so many to choose from here. It's so tough. But uh, I, I think I'm going to have to go Step Brothers. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, it's just a, such a classic, great movie. Uh, so funny. If you haven't watched it, I don't know what you're doing. Listen to the podcast. You need to probably turn this off and go watch. Yeah, Step Brothers is, I mean, it's probably one of my all-time favorite movies. It, I've seen it probably, how many times would you say you've seen it, Josh? I've seen it over 100. At, oh, at least. I mean, yeah, 100, 125, 150. Yeah, at least, probably. So, uh my top one, Josh, it's pretty easy to me after you took that one. It's Elf. I mean, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is sing loud for all to hear. Um, Buddy the Elf is probably one of my all-time favorite movie characters. Um, you have a pretty face. You should be on a Christmas card. All-time pickup line. Uh, Elf is just an all-time Christmas movie. And not just Christmas. I like to watch it all year round. Oh, it's such a classic. Just the all the uh, the sweets that he eats. The Just the whole premise of the movie it's it is a wonderful uh, beck and i oh it's a christmas tradition that's our christmas movie we sit down and watch it's a it is an instant classic so uh number two on my list uh still tough to choose from all the ones that are left um but i'm gonna have to go with talladega nights oh you took mine the talladega nights and honestly i it, i wanted to put that one at number one but i figured you would take step brothers um so talladega nights is there's you can't say enough about the movie the man's funny dear baby jesus six pound baby jesus oh he's so funny in that movie i'm paralyzed i can't feel my legs <laughs> you're not paralyzed don't stab your legs i'm paralyzed it don't matter if i stab my legs ricky such a great movie such i love a great it movie. i might watch that tonight okay so my number two uh kicking and screaming this is one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, all-time favorite sports movies for sure, uh, just because it, it was probably one of the first sports movies that I really like 
watched over and over um, aside from probably like uh, Sandlot or um, uh, what's the first movie? Uh, um, the bench warmers, the bench warmers. Uh, this has some all time lines. I'm talking to the juice box guy. Hey, I'm, Hey, Jeannie, I'm talking to the juice box guy. And Mike Ditka just getting so pissed off. I just all time movie, uh, feel good moments, family movie. I loved it. I can watch, watch it with the, watch it with the kids. Uh, Alyssa and uh, Kennedy are actually in Ida Bell. They'll be back tomorrow. I'll probably watch it tomorrow night. It is. So Kicking and Screaming is the movie that you want to watch on long road trips. That's the only thing I can think about for Kicking and Screaming. Like if I'm, if I'm in a minivan driving across the country, I want Kicking and Screaming playing on the TV, on the little DVD player that drops down. It, it's a good one. So uh, number three for me, it, honestly, it could have been my number one. Uh, has, it has to be Anchorman. Mm. such a good there's so many good one-liners uh i'm in a glass case of emotion you have an absolutely breathtaking hiney i'm kind of a big deal people know me like there there are just so many so many good ones so uh it is a really good one-liner movie it is a really really good movie i actually think and i i don't want to say this it never even got consideration for the bottom of my totem pole but i think it's a little 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 bit maybe overrated Oh my, that's blasphemy. I'm just, I wasn't a huge fan of it. And I, well, you don't appreciate good comedy. Maybe <laughs> so. I, I, I'm not saying, not saying it's bad at all. I loved it. Um, but it just, I don't think it would, I don't think it's in my top five. Well, that smells like a burn hair on a dog's turd. I've, yeah, I've definitely heard that. Uh, I've definitely oh. been told something very similar to that for having that take before. Very great movie. So uh, third on mine, this could have been, like I said, any of his, this could have been first on mine, uh, the same way yours could have been first on yours. Um, the other guys, Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell, they're cops, they're bad cops. Uh, what could be funnier than that? When, and the funniest uh, part to me, scene to me, when he's in his uh, kitchen with his wife, who's just a smoke show, he's like, uh, she's like, you're not the same person anymore. You don't get it. There's a darkness inside of me. It wants to get out. It wants to walk around. and needs some fucking walking around money. It wants to buy some shoes. Oh, he's just so funny. Will Ferrell is so fucking funny. Bro, the best part is when she says, I'm pregnant. He said, whose baby is that? Gators, bitches, baby wearing jimmies. <laughs> oh, my God. Such a he funny He wants to movie. walk up to, he wants to walk up. Hey, Gator don't play no shit. Oh, that's Will Ferrell is so when he does stuff like that when he just really dives into character and just really goes crazy. It's so funny. Oh, he's so good. So uh, honorable mention of mine. I've got I've got a few. Uh, number one, Blades of Glory. Oh, Blades of Glory is so good. Such such a good movie. Uh, yeah, definitely on the honorable mention list. So uh, both the Daddy's Homes, of course. Um, actually the house, I saw that on Netflix, uh, probably like a month or two ago. That was really, really good. Um, I mean, something to watch definitely late at night. I haven't, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So that'd be a good one for me to watch. I haven't seen that one yet. So, oh yeah. Get hard for sure too, with Kevin Hart, anything with Kevin Hart in there, Kevin Hart, yeah. Wolf, um, comedy dream team. Yeah, that is a really good one. So an underrated one that he, you know, he's not obviously huge in, but he has a role as a uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Oh, what was that? Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. Such so, a classic. Which, like I said, obviously he's not the main person in this or anything, but he, he plays a part in so I, I definitely included it in my uh, – Jackie my Moon, Semi-Pro. Semi-Pro was good. 
I, oh, you I didn't think, like it. I think I, I feel I the same. I would I say think, I like Semi-Pro more than uh, more than Anchorman. I was going to say the exact opposite. I think that Semi-Pro might be a little overrated. Wow. So uh, how do you like the campaign? I want to get you. I want to hear your story about that. I I actually well I think that he he did phenomenal in it. Um, the movie is so funny. There's so many again. There's so many great one-liners in this movie. Uh, it's definitely worth definitely worth watching if you haven't seen it. I'm not going to say it's the best movie of all time or anywhere close, but uh, it's it's enough to keep my attention where I don't feel like I wasted time afterwards. I actually went and watched uh, the campaign with my parents. Oh my god! Yeah, talk about a bad decision. Uh, when it got to the, um, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say bad decision. It was, I mean, it wasn't you know bad or anything, but uh, like the um, the voicemail that was so fucking oh funny. I was like, oh my god, I was mortified though. Yeah, having to sit through that with your parents, I, I don't know. That's a tough one. Uh, so my last honorable mention will probably go to Old School. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another really good one. Uh, him and uh, Vince Vaughn and Luke Wilson. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it him goes and Vince on. Vaughn. Yeah. Oh, go and see some of the great movies. I'm going to have a uh, – I'm probably going to watch quite a few of them tomorrow uh, or today, I guess. Wow, yeah, I have the day off today. So, Memorial mm-hmm. Day, I might spend it watching some Will Ferrell movies. I might throw in uh, Adam Sandler in there too, mix it up a little bit. Well, hey, throw on that uh, throw on that WWE Network too uh, if you're not doing anything. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to go back and watch 2003 Survivor Series match. If you haven't seen it, go give it a watch. Yeah, go watch that uh, that series too. It's really good. So another great episode. Got uh, got into a, quite a bit of sports. We had live sports. The match was on today. And then getting into a uh, a world-renowned totem pole with Will Ferrell movies that some, some people actually can't appreciate the comedy of Will Ferrell, but we do here on Burst Your Bubble. So it's uh, a great opportunity, humble experience to be able to break some of those down to give us uh, give you your, our favorites. Yeah, you know, Josh, it's always great talking to you on these Sunday nights. Uh, always love listening to these Monday pods. I love the feedback we get from them. Continue to give the feedback. Continue to reach out on social media. Tell your friends about the pod. Share the friend with your share the pod with your friends. Um, it's super easy. Takes about three seconds. Um, you know they would love it because you love it. Absolutely, and go interact with the the websites coming up. Uh, if it's not up tomorrow, uh, if it's not today, it'll be up tomorrow. Uh, Burst your bubble, BYB. Uh, look for that coming pretty soon. Uh, full blogs, full episodes um, on the link. So a uh, lot, of, lot of interaction there as well as social media pages. Yep, a lot of huge things coming, Josh. People better be ready. Absolutely. Well, hey, man, I it was great talking to you. Yep, I loved it, Josh. And uh, if you haven't listened to that Arm Contained interview yet, go listen to that. Uh, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday, Josh. Sounds good. See you, bud. Later, bud.